Thank you. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Already home. Mm. I hope this feels like your spiritual home. I hope when you walk in the doors here, you feel like you've come home. I'm Reverend Debbie McDonald. It's my great joy to be with you today. It's so good to see all your smiling faces, some I haven't seen in a while. Good to see you. Good to see you. We are moving right along. Just uh, two more weeks after this of our theme, 100 Years of Science of Mind. This month is Happiness and Fulfillment, December. Good, good topics for December, Happiness and Fulfillment. And today's topic is Spiritual Conviction spiritual conviction. We're to the very back of the Living the Science of Mind book. It's one of the very last readings, and it's only a page long, spiritual conviction. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. Do you remember, uh, or have you ever listened to a child talk about God? You know, there's some really cute things on YouTube. You can go and listen to kids when they're asked questions about God, you know. And they just have that belief. They have that absolute belief in what they're talking about. Uh, some of the things that were said, the one that I listened to is a little Remy who's seven years old. He said, God lives inside of every living thing. So my doctor has seen God when he cuts people open. <laughs> right? God's in there. God can grow you and he can dance, but he cannot type. That's Piper, five years old. Kaylin, who's nine, said, God has big hands because the song says he's got the whole world in his hands, right? So he's got some big hands. You know, when children talk to God, they talk to God like he's a friend. He, she, it, whatever we want to call it, is their friend, just like it's somebody they hang out with, somebody they play with. Nan said to God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Little Mickey says, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Right? Just like a friend. This is Donna. She says, we read Thomas Edison made light in Sunday school. They said you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. Right? Thomas Edison. And then little Charles says, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know, but I'm not just saying that because you're God. Right? Children say they have that absolute belief. They have that spiritual conviction. They absolutely believe that there's something. Right? There's something. Can you remember what you thought about God when you were little? Can you remember being a child and, and, and having this wonderment? You know, whether you called it God or, or, or something else. You know, having that idea, I remember it. I mean, I remember, you know, talking to God all the time. When I was out in the, you know, the yard and the walking and, and seeing things. You know, knowing that it was a manifestation, you know, of something. I wouldn't have used those words. You know, in listening to some of the children online and some of the children talk about God, it was interesting, you know, to hear the different face that the children were raised in and how that affected their perception of God. Um, the Jewish children and the Muslim children surprisingly had a very sort of more metaphysical, mystical idea 
of God. You know, some of the children said God was love, and that's, you know, very metaphysical. Uh, the Christian children sort of had a more dogmatic sort of, this is what God does, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, we're influenced. We're influenced by the traditions that we're raised in. But do you still have that childlike belief in God? I mean, do you still believe? Do you believe 100% that there's a supreme power in the universe? Do you? 100%. These are important questions to ask ourselves because doubt, in fact, creates doubt. You remember that the law is neutral, so whatever we put into the law, the law is happy to say, okay, you got it. So if we're putting our doubt or our uncertainty into the law, we're going to get more and more of that. If we're putting our 100% belief, if we're stating with spiritual conviction and we're putting that into the law, we are going to be able to manifest what it is that we're putting in there. You know, do you have 100% belief or faith, right? Because what is belief but faith? Faith. You know, and we're not just born with this great, well, we may be born with it, but somewhere along the way we lose it. But faith comes in time. It's sort of that educational variety. You know, it takes time. The more that we practice these principles, the more that we see results, the more that we see things happening, more and more we're able to believe at a deeper and deeper level. You know, as a minister, I often uh, look at my own disbelief. You know, I, I, I will go through life and I'll say, and I stand up here every Sunday and I talk about these spiritual principles to you and I tell you this is what it is and this is the way it is and this is what God is, according to the science of mind. But some days in my daily walk through life, I have the awareness that I'm not practicing what I'm preaching, that I'm not living what it is I'm saying. Times like when I'm in worry, when I'm in worry. Now, if I'm in worry, I have forgotten that God's got it, right? That there is a power in the universe that I can rely on 100%. I don't need to worry. Everything's okay. When I'm in judgment, when I'm in judgment of somebody else, I'm not in that place of spiritual conviction, of knowing absolutely that each and every individual is a perfect expression of the divine, exactly as they are. I have no business judging another human being. No. So I don't always walk in this knowingness of mine. You know, there's a story of Norman Vincent Pill, and he writes about this. He writes about one time when he was flying to speak to 5,000 people, you know, and the early New Thought people, they had big audiences. People were interested in this stuff because it was new, right? And Norman Vincent Pill, you know, he's the author of The Power of Positive Thinking, and he was one of the early uh, speakers of a lot of these principles that we talk about, and he was going to speak to these people, and he got on the plane early in the morning, and by the time he got off the plane, he'd lost his voice. His throat had constricted. He could barely squeak, barely whisper, and he became very concerned about that. 
And he was thinking, you know, what could he do? He's these 5,000 people showing up in just a few hours, and he's got to be able to speak. And he thought, well, maybe I could whisper. Maybe if I whisper into the microphone, it'll be okay. And he went and he checked into the hotel room, and he gargled, and he did the things that he knew to do, and it wasn't getting any better, and he was very, very frustrated. So finally, he called the doctor. He had the hotel call a doctor, and the doctor came up to his room, and, and he said, I have to speak to 5,000 people tonight. I need your help. Can you give me some drops? Can you give you some medicine? Can you spray my throat? And so the doctor did that. The doctor sprayed his throat, and the doctor gave him some medication. And he said, now, Dr. Pill, I need to tell you that the, what the real prescription is. And Dr. Pill said, well, why didn't you tell me that first? And he says, because I didn't think I would have to tell you. You were the one that wrote the prescription. You're the one that taught me. Why are you focusing on the fact that you have no voice, that your throat is tight? Why, in fact, are you not focusing on God? Right? And Norman Vincent Pill says it struck him like a bolt of lightning, that he had forgotten the very thing that he teaches. You know, to turn away, to turn away from the trouble and turn towards God. Uh, Emmett Fox calls it the golden key. He has a little pamphlet. It's a great little pamphlet, and you can even download it on the Internet now. You know, you can just Google it and print it out. It's five pages long, I think, the whole you know, little pamphlet. And that's exactly what he talks about. Er, Emmett Fox talks about golden keying things. And what he says the golden key is to turn away from the problem and turn to God. Right? If I'm sitting and I'm focusing on my problem, what am I creating? More of my problem. Right? If I turn away from my problem and I remember that there's one power and one presence and it is good and it is God and it is more powerful than anything, if I have that spiritual conviction, then I'm creating that. Then I'm creating that. So why should I worry if I know 100% that God is? Right? I catch myself. I catch myself. Dr. Ken Gordon, in this week's video, he says this. He says, the foundation of all things is God is good and God is for you. That you and spirit are a majority. Right? If this be the truth, then what do I have to fear? What do I have to fear? I mean, what do, do we have that kind of faith? I mean, do we have that kind of faith that we know that God and I are a majority? God is good and only good. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now we know metaphysically he's not talking about heaven as being some far off place that you're going to get to when you die. He's talking about here and now. Unless you have the faith of a child, you're not going to enter that realm of knowing that all is well. And that you are taken care of. And that heaven is here on earth. That you're in it. We have that childlike faith. I like things that are definite. I don't like wishy-washy. <laughs> I don't like maybe sort of kind of, you know. And so we have these things, these people in our movement that we call the absolutist. Joel Goldsmith is considered an absolutist. Emma Curtis Hopkins, we call her an absolutist. There's no wiggle room. Either God is everything or God is nothing. It's that black and white. Do you believe God is everything or do you think there's no God? You can't kind of sort of think God might have this, but God's not really caring about that. Because if that was the truth, it wouldn't be God. 
that wouldn't be God. Now, I don't recommend that you be an absolutist in all your thinking. I think it's important to keep an open mind and to have those nuances in life. But when it comes to spirit, when it comes to source, when it comes to having that spiritual conviction, can you be that absolute? Can you know that God is everything or God is nothing? Right? There's no kind of sort of God. Ernest Holmes says, uh, each of us is a center in the consciousness of God. And I believe that we are not one in God or one with God, but we are one of God. One of God. I like that. Can we have the faith we had at children? Can we believe that spirit is with us every moment of the day? As a woman, a young mother, and she had a little boy, and he loved Legos. Now, I don't know if you know any little boys, but they love Legos. And I don't know if you've seen some of those Lego kits, like they're thousands of pieces, right, to build whatever it is they're building. And her little boy was building a Lego castle. And uh, he called her in, and he said there was one piece he was missing, and he needed her help to find this one piece. And she said they had boxes and boxes of Legos. That's the way it was in my house when my son was young. And she said it was one piece in a thousand. One piece in a thousand. So she sat with him for a while, and they went through all the pieces in the box of the castle, and they couldn't find it. And they went through uh, the boxes that they had of other Legos. And finally she said, I can't spend all day looking for this Lego piece. And she told her son she couldn't you know, look anymore. And he said, you know what, Mom? I'll pray. And she thought, well... She didn't want to break his heart, but she really didn't think God was too interested in helping him find a Lego and that God didn't really show up for everything all the time, right? And she said, you know what, I'll go check the bookshelf where we keep the Lego box and maybe it fell out. And she said she got up and she didn't even walk uh, five feet away and she heard him praying to God. And then she heard him say a few minutes later, a few seconds later really, I found it right exactly where they had looked already three times, right? The faith of a child. It's just that knowing. It's that believing. It's the believing. It's the believing. It's the believing that creates it. We put that thought into the law and we create it. We don't go back and dig up the seed, see if it's doing okay. Is it sprouting yet? No, we let it be. We stay in that place of faith. We turn from the problem to source. We keep our focus on source. A man without a spiritual conviction cannot hope to make the same use of the creative power of his thought as the one who has it. That's from this week's uh, Living the Science of Mind. We must have spiritual conviction that there is a power for good in the universe that we can use, that our thoughts create, and that there is divine design for us. Prayer, faith, and belief are closely related mental attitudes, according to Ernest Holmes. You know, when we pray, when we do our five-step affirmative prayer that we do here at, uh, in Science of Mind, you know, we have the five steps. And the first step is that uh, recognition that God is all there is. So we get in that place and we recognize that spirit is all that is. We're doing, we're convincing ourselves, right? We're convincing ourselves in that moment that spirit is all that there is, that I know that there is only God. 
right? And then the second step is unification, where we unify ourselves with that one, where we know that we are an expression of God, that there's no place that you and God aren't connected. God is as close as your hands and your feet, your very breath, right? Steps one and steps two. And it said if we do step one and two perfectly, the prayer is done. The prayer is done. We know. We know, right? We go on and do the third, fourth, and fifth step. But that step one and two of knowing that spiritual conviction. There's a whole chapter in this book, and I brought my old book today because I wrote in it. I like to write in my pretty leather one. Um, chapter 10, the entire chapter is on faith. And I'm going to read you just a bit of it. I, 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 there's so much in here I couldn't choose what to share with you. So I've just highlighted a few. Faith. Misplaced faith is one of them. And it says, the fear of lack is nothing more than the belief that God does not and will not supply us with whatever we need. The fear of lack. We have more faith in fear than we do in the truth. No confusion. Another section. Science of mind, it is a way. The principle governing faith is that when the one praying becomes convinced, his prayers will automatically be answered. When the one praying becomes convinced. Vitalizing faith. Not only must we have complete faith in spirit and its ability to know and to do, but we must have complete confidence in our approach to it. We must not be lukewarm in our conviction. We must know that we know. We must know that we know. The technique of acquiring faith. The belief in goodness must be greater than any apparent manifestation of its opposite. The belief in goodness. We turn from the problem and we turn to source. We turn from the problem. The appearance, the seemingly appearance. It is wonderful to contemplate the mental attitude of people who are not afraid to believe their prayers will be answered and are not afraid to say, I know, I know. You should be careful not to divide our mental house against itself, right? God, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I believe, help my unbelief. And then the last section is conviction. Jesus said, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Because we fail to realize that principle is not bound by precedent, we limit our faith to that which has already been accomplished, and few miracles result. And lastly, we are convinced that under divine law, all things are possible if we only believe and work in conformity with the principles of that law. Such a faith does not spring fully orbed into being, but grows by knowledge and experience. No matter what the outside appearance, we must cling steadfastly to the knowledge that God is good and God is all underneath, above, and all around. Thus we shall be able to say with conviction, I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I have believed.
So this week, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to practice your spiritual conviction of having that childlike faith, that childlike belief, and knowing that spirit is here always and forever. Practice having that faith of God, not in God. The faith of God. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Good.